0: Welcome to this Centrum podcast. For more podcasts or to join Centrum programs building creativity in community, visit us at centrum.org. This is Jazz
1: Voicings, a show that features conversations with faculty from Centrum's Jazz Port Townsend, led by Artistic Director John Clayton. I'm Program Manager Greg Miller. Every great musician has been shaped in part by teachers, mentors, or experiences that resonate throughout their lives. We're accustomed to hearing these world-class musicians express themselves through their performances, but they are also thoughtful, articulate, and witty, as you will hear. I hope you'll enjoy this episode of Centrum's Jazz Voicings. Hi, everybody. Hey, Bree. <laughs>
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Hey. Hello, oh, wow. Well, my name is John Clayton, and I'm your host this evening, everybody. Welcome. This is Centrum's Jazz Voices. It's our chance to speak with people that are often our instructors during our jazz week. And at the last week of July, every year, we um, normally have a fantastic get-together of people who love this music, people who want to pass on their knowledge of this music. It's its a big, as you can imagine, jazz love fest. And uh, a week long event that uh, everybody always loves uh, and um, we're, we're really proud of it and happy with how things have gone through the years. Um, so I'm really happy to, to present this evening to you. I also have to thank the staff uh, of Centrum, for making this possible. Uh, Joe Gillard, thank you so much. Greg Miller, thanks for all that you do. Um, and we hope that you will join us actually in person next year when we fire up again in July Let we'll Keep your eyes open uh, for that. Go to Centrum.org to get all the information and just we wanna see you. We wanna share all of this fun and love that we have with you. Um, tonight's guest tonight's hang i am so excited about this uh let me first uh have everybody do a kind of a virtual hello out there to this fantastic singer her name is brianna thomas she is she's the new new kid on the block and we just are so excited to have welcome brianna Uh,
3: i'm so
4: excited to be here hello
1: glad you're here gosh and returning, uh, what a joy it is to have Sunny Wilkinson with us, Sunny like this, the sun that she brings to our lives. <laughs> Your name oh. says all. Well. Welcome, Sunny, thank, thank you. Thank
2: you so much, it is great to be here.
1: Great. And I think most of you also know and love this other fantastic human being, vocalist, um, on and on and on, not enough adjectives. Please say hello to Renee Marie.
3: Hello, everybody.
1: Hello. So, this is just our chance to hang out. This is just, and I'm going to get out of the way as we do so because we want to hear from you all. Um, I don't know, kind of just to sort of have the beginning cocktail for the evening during our happy hour, hour and a half, Um, I thought we should just kind of give everybody the floor and and let us know a little bit about your backstory, about your background, a little your history, you know, what kind of your roots and that sort of thing. Um, and why don't we start with with the youngest member of our organization this evening. Oh, <laughs> me? Brianna Taubia. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh.
1: This <laughs> is... <laughs> the next youngest? <laughs> Brianna
4: Thomas. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with such an amazing panel of people. And it's so nice to connect to people, given the times we live in. So it's a real honor. Um, I was born and raised in Peoria, Illinois, right in the mid-heartland mid of the country. and um, my father was a vocalist and a drummer. And I grew up, as far as I can remember, just being surrounded by music. Um, there wasn't, my dad, the band that he was in, they played everything. They played everything from John Coltrane to Wilson Pickett, to James Brown, to Bonnie Waite to uh, Holly Wolf, you know, they played everything and um, so I just grew up listening and enjoying music in that way. When I was 12 years old, I, um, before I was 12, I was singing with my father's band from the time I was six. And then when I was 12, I started singing with a big band and I met Sarah Vaughn. And so I was super excited. I, I remember her rendition of uh, Smoke Gets In Your Eyes from her album, No Count Sarah. It was without Count Basie, but it was the Basie band. And I, uh, I said, Oh my gosh, what is she doing? And I have to be able to do that. And I, um, don't know that I've accomplished it yet. It's probably going to (laughs) be a lifelong quest, but I just feel like when Sarah sings, if she sings the word rain, it's raining. If she sings, you know, uh, her, her voice is like a big velvet dot and it just sort of encompasses whatever word she's singing you can feel it see it it's tangible and um and then I met Ella Fitzgerald and not not in real life I like you know met them <laughs> met them um musically and it those experiences changed my life and the third person that I really really just blew me out of the water um my teacher gave me a CD of Diane Reeves when I was uh, in like the the eighth grade. And um, that same big band teacher that I was singing with and when I was 12, Miss Mary Jo Pappage. And, um, you know, just, I have to say like the the music that I grew up listening to and, which was such a wide variety and um, the music that I, I grew to love via teachers who exposed me to things and um just just in the learning process of coming across different things it's they all kind of have a similar root but they all have their own thing and that's what's so amazing about it um each genre if you will or each style has its own place but it comes from the same fabric it's a quilt and so um I now have my own band I'm I live in New York City. I'm back home in Peoria with my mom now, just visiting. But um, I I went to New York in 2007 to go to the new school. And I graduated in 2011. I met some amazing musicians, um, a few of whom we began a band, Conan and Pappas, a piano player from New Orleans. And um, Kyle Poole, a drummer, uh, I believe he's from California. And I just I uh, Music has taken me so many different places that I could never imagine in my imagination and in real life that um, it's been a real journey and I'm definitely looking forward to everything. It's been nice. It's led me to meet Mr. Clayton with, you know, we share a, a very Um, amazing person in common Miss Gail Boyd who is my manager and your manager and so I feel like it just continues to increase my family and Miss Renee Marie the first time I heard Miss Renee Marie saying I was at Dizzy's and I never forget she was like it, it was it was as if I was sitting on her couch in her living room and and it she's another one that I'm I'm very honored and blessed to be here with her today because she's one of my heroes too in songwriting too. I love the way that she writes and arranges. So um sorry to gush Renee but that's how I feel. <laughs> anyway, um I love you all and and thank you so much. Um that's my story
1: so far. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you. And you you hit the nail on the head. You you said the magic word the word of the day the word of our one of the words of our lives and that's family and i'm always reminding our centrum friends of the importance of that and really how big it is it's we have our immediate families of course but sometimes it takes these kinds of experiences to allow us to learn to realize that that whole idea of family of closeness to people that really means something to our hearts is beyond just our households. When you you touch music, you you touch family, you don't even know about it in the beginning. Um, So you you hit the nail on the head. Hi, Sunny, why don't you tell us about you? Um, Let everybody know a little bit about your background, please.
2: Well, first of all, Brianna, I have to say, I just, resonate so much with what you said because in my early life um, it wasn't it wasn't your upbringing but my family was filled with song right and filled with music um, I come from a family of six generations of Methodist ministers do I hear an amen oh <laughs> <Amen. laughs> <My, laughs> my brother is the last of this series of methodist ministers and so we were always singing my mama was a music major and we sang around in four-part harmony we sang around the piano and then when we got uppity enough my sister and i would sit around and sing songs different intervals away you know like a minor sixth away or a tritone away we had to hold the pitch and We didn't even realize how hip that was. It was just something we did, right? And we, so we had a a profoundly musical household. We didn't really, I didn't know anything about jazz, but we listened to classical music and we listened to sort of Sousa marches and musical theater. Um, But it wasn't till later on in my life when I was at Arizona State and I started singing and playing in kind of a, you guys will remember these kinds of bands the horn bands blood sweat and tears chicago mm-hmm. and i played trombone and sang in in a in this band and the guys in the band of course you know there was a trombone player and a horn player and they berated me i was too old not to know this but i didn't know who miles davis was and they said young lady you have got to get yourself to the library so I went to the, I'll never forget this. I went to the Arizona State Music Library and I listened to Charles Lloyd Forest Flower record, right? Live at the um, Monterey Jazz Festival. And it was, I'll tell you what hooked me on jazz immediately. It was, um, oh, Sonny, my brain, my old brain. Keith Jarrett's solo on forest flower, and I took the needle, the needle, and I put it back, and I put <laughs> it back, and, it, back. and it, it just sounded to me like a waterfall or this free astounding thing, and from then on, I was hooked, and, and back in those days, I didn't have any money, I was in college, so we went to um, garage sales, and I bought scratchy beat to heck records of, and here were my my three, Sarah Vaughn, who sounded like, I know you said like a velvet dot, I say it's like honey poured over velvet, yes, right, it's just this, and I feel like she's my spiritual mother, I feel like when I get in trouble emotionally, Miss Sarah Vaughn is like right here and goes, It's okay, honey. You're doing fine. You're doing good. Uh, I love her. I adore her. And then Carmen McRae and Nancy Wilson were the first first ones that captivated me. And I took these scratchy, worn-out records and just played played them and played them and played them and played them and played them. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but what I was doing was learning the vocabulary. Memorizing every little turn that they did so that I could learn. I I just did it. I didn't know what I was doing. And luckily, uh, out of out of that band that we did, I started playing trombone in the jazz band at Arizona State and we went out and started gigging and doing these tunes. And I will just tell you right now, I can't tell you how many bars I owe of measures that I probably dropped beats and dropped everything, (laughs) finding my way. You say all of them, huh? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, did I miss two beats? Oh, maybe. (laughs) But I was just absolutely completely hooked by the, the joyfulness of it and the making mud pies. You know, it's like. the the encouragement to improvise and really listen and find find the center. And so Mm -hmm. after college, I moved to LA and just jumped in way over my head. I feel like I've always been way over my head. And that um, LA was like being burned by fire, right? And there was some strong Mentors and tutors that told me exactly what it was that I wasn't doing and what I wasn't doing right, but at the same time it br- embraced you with love and um, it, it was just such a, a grand experience taking off from there. Um, I won't I'll, I'll, I'll make this I'm going to shorten this up, but No, no, no. You got it girl. Okay. I don't want to take too much time. But I fell in love with living there. Man, that was such a rich community. And there were so many hangs, Carmelo's, and Dante's. And there were just fabulous clubs where all the musicians hung. And we hung sometimes till 5 in the morning. And, oh, Brianna, I want to tell you, one night on a gig that I was singing, Miss Sarah Vaughan was at the bar. And I'll tell you honestly, and I didn't, I didn't handle it the way I would handle it now. Now I would go, oh, my, my beautiful patron saint, hello. But I was so nervous and so anxious and so respectful. I did not go and say hello to her. I, and I regret yeah. it. You know, I regret not saying how much I loved her and how much I just, you know, what a goddess she was! Um, LA was really good to me. It it made me grow up as a teacher and an educator and a singer and musician and writer. And I I still am the closest of friends with my musicians friends from that time. They are like my family, and and the singers too, right? I, mm-hmm. I found in other places sometimes singers get really competitive with each other and they're like fighting mm-hmm. for position and. It wasn't like that in LA for me we had this circle of friends that lifted That's each great. other up you know and got each other gigs and 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 traded charts and said have you learned this song and have you heard and we hung and it was really a beautiful community and then in 1993 I met my husband um, Ron Newman, who was the head of jazz studies at Michigan State at the time, we met, I think I was playing at, at the IAJ convention, I can't remember, but we met and we courted across the country for two years. And then, I mean, so we met in 1991 and in 93, I moved here to Michigan and uh, raised a family and became, b- Real, I started the vocal jazz program at Michigan State, which is no longer, but uh, really became a lot involved in jazz education and the spirit of that. And I'm still recording. I, I love, I have a wonderful band that I record with here, my Midwestern boys and love them. Yeah. Dad, you know, um, may I give you their names? Uh, Ron Newman, my sweet husband's on piano. Larry Ogletree is from Battle Creek in drums and Ed Fedewa on bass. So I have a family here and um, I don't know. that It is it is like you said, John, it's always this just ever richening, widening family and intimacy, right? As soon as we know that we're involved in this music, it's intimate and loving and expressive and I, can't, I I am so grateful that I have had the opportunity to live my life in this music.
1: So great to hear. Yeah. And and, and, and isn't it that way that that if you are open to all of the I don't know the, the 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 wealth that is in our music that you don't find the competition. You're not affected by anybody who doesn't get it and yeah. you know we're in that com- competitive spring of mind instead it's 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 that relationship building that that like we keep saying family right it's mm-hmm. that that kind of support that we give each other and the more i live life the more i stay attached to this music the more i see that i don't see competition <laughs> which is you know that's another subject which i can get into at another time but No, we don't compete against each other if I can't do a gig I call whoever it is Christian McBride or Ron Carter blah 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 you know Bob Hurst I I don't compete against them likewise the three of you don't compete against each other or any other thing and some people don't get that but luckily you do and I know that you're all passing it on to your beloved students as well so that's that's a, a beautiful thing. Renee Marie, tell us about
5: you. I just want to sit here and listen to y'all's voices. It's <laughs> so nice to, to hear other people talk about music. <laughs> I <hear> that. <laughs> yeah, you know?
1: well, yeah, but you're in it, too. We want to hear you talk, too, sweetheart.
5: I mean, hearing your stories, I love the way how you relate which musicians really like grounded you or excited you and formed helped form your whole musical viewpoint. <laughs> this is beautiful. I love this. Thank you, John, for making this possible for us singers us to get together because we miss each other. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um well gosh, we have very much in common with our stories. I I too came from a very musical family, but nobody could play an instrument at all. We just um, loved to sing and my father was the leader of the of those in the family who loved to sing. It was nothing for him to break out into song, first thing in the morning, late at night. Um, one of the things I loved about my dad is he would take um, these opera songs and he would change the lyrics to English into uh, something that affected, that um, was related to what was happening at the moment. For instance, there I don't know the name of this opera, but um, there's a song drink, 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 la di da 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 And so of course in the in the opera the guy is standing on the table and he's holding this big flask of beer. But my dad changed the words to drink your milk. And I remember those <laughs> I remember that song to this day. Drink, drink, lift up your glass, you know. <laughs> and and he was just such a lover of music. He had every kind of music in in his musical library. Burl Ives, Peter Paul and Mary, um, 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 Harry Belafonte, um, uh, uh like I said, classical music, no jazz. I didn't even had never even heard of jazz until I was 17 and um, I, but I owe so much to my father and to my mother who who loved it you know she fell in love with that part of my my father's personality and I inherited it I think we all did all seven of us kids inherited that love for spontaneity and just bringing it you know and just having fun and harmonizing with each other there was this game we used to play uh called choir and uh, it was seven kids in two bedrooms <laughs> don't ask me about the sleeping arrangements but we <laughs> managed <laughs> and so my sister after the lights would go out my sister would say um hey y'all let's play choir so she would hit the first note and then somebody would have to hit a note that harmonized with that and the 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 rule was don't sing a note that's already been sung you have to sing a note that harmonizes with what everybody else has done, but you can't you can't repeat a note anybody else that someone else is already singing. So, like you, Sonny, I didn't realize it, but I was getting ear trained. And then she would say, "Okay, take it up a half step," and then we would raise it up a half step. You know, "Okay, take it back down," ah, you know. And um, those are just very, very fond memories I have. Of learning about music and internalizing the song. Um, yeah, so I sang a little bit when I was in my teens in this R&B band, you know, trying to sound like Aretha, which I never did, of course. And um, my goal was, after I graduated from high school, I was going to go to college and be an attorney. I I liked singing, but I didn't think I was good enough to, you know, sing on the stage and get paid for it. But uh, fate interrupted that plan, and um, I decided to become one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And then all of my plans just fell by the wayside, and I became a witness for 24 years. I got married, I had two sons. Um, I married the guy that was in the band, in our teenage band, who played keyboards. And we got married, and for 24 years, I tried to restrain. And contain that part of me. Which, yeah, you know, was just like, no, nah, happen. Nah. <laughs> but I did it for 24 years. Um, and then one day, my son, my oldest son was in college. And he, he uh, went to a restaurant, there was this trio playing with a singer. And he called me from the restaurant, payphone. And he says, um, Mom, you got to come and listen to this singer. She's singing all the songs you sing at home and she terrible because i would sing i had three cassette tapes one was ella one was sarah and one was cleo lane and i memorized every song on that during this time that i was one of jehovah's witnesses that's what i did It it just i don't know where we got the cassettes from but that was the music I sang at home most of the time. I also sang along with the radio, but not very much. And you turn the radio on, because it was bad. So he says, you gotta come hear her. She's she's a terrible singer. She's singing all the songs you do at home. So I go up there and and we sit and listen to her and she was not terrible. She was just kind of bored, I think, with what she was singing. And the musicians were definitely bored. They were watching the TV above the bar and playing along, and you know what I mean? You've seen those gigs, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody is invested in the music. Mm -hmm. And I said to my son, this is a travesty, you know, I can't believe she's getting paid for this. And he goes, um, he says, do it, mom. You can do it. I was 42. He says, you you can do that, mom. And I said, I can't, I'm too old, boy. Don't nobody get started singing jazz in their 40s. Yes, you can, mom. You can do it, Mom. And so I did. I, I we had a friend who had his own quintet. I called him and said, "Hey, can I sing with you?" He says, "Yeah." Um, and so that's how I got started. I didn't know the first thing about singing with with a band, especially jazz, because of the improvisational nature of it. I thought when I called Lullaby of Birdland that it was gonna be the same intro. Ba ba do ba do
0: ee
5: do do doo And so the band starts playing. I go what are you doing? Yeah. And they're looking at me like as old as you are, don't you know how the song goes? So I could relate to you, Sonny, about musicians having these expectations In my case, it was because of my age. And nobody knew I had just started. I looked like I'd been singing for longer, but I wasn't. I had this much depth. No, this much. (laughs) Can y'all see that? Um, But that's how I got started, singing for tips. That was divided six ways. And um, I learned how to hold the mic. I learned how to scat. I learned how to trade. I learned how to tell wh- when, the, when, it, when the solo was over. You know, you just gotta really listen hard. All those mm-hmm. things that you can't learn—you um, you really can't learn well any other way except just by being thrown in the jagged waters. Mm-hmm. Right, right, sink or swim. And so that's how it got started. And I, people would say, um, "Hey, do you have a CD?" I got started. After about a year of me singing, I finally got my own trio, learned how to, um, what do you call it when you change the key to your trans- trans- oh. transpose, I learned how to transpose it into my own key charts and figure out endings and beginnings. <laughs> and um, then people started asking, hey, do you have CDs? And I was like, oh. no, it wasn't CDs, then it was still cassettes. And, and I said, no, I don't have any cassettes. So I decided that we would um, record a cassette or a co- record an album and it was that decision that was the final nail in the coffin of my marriage because although my husband was agreeable at first, he later changed his mind and um, gave me an ultimatum to either stop singing or I had to move out. So. Um, Picked up my bags, walked through the <laughs> door. And that was the end of that. Wow. He did me a big thing. He, yes. He helped, he helped solidify my you know, waffling. You know, I was working, mm. doing the wife thing. My boys were in college, so that wasn't an issue. Working, doing the wife thing, the religious thing, trying to sing. What am I going to do? You can't do all that. So, it was a big help, the way he gave me that ultimatum. Um, Recorded it, and then tried to um, promote the CD. So we got our first gig in Washington, D.C. at Blues Alley, and uh, the president of the record label just happened to be there on a Monday night. He was looking for a singer, and, um, and, he was there, and he offered me on the spot, um, you know, a deal with his record label, and I was like, "Yeah, right." I thought he was one of those. Dudes <laughs> my mother had warned me about. <laughs> but um, he was—he was for real, and so it was. Um, uh, Rich McDonald of, of Next Jazz, and Carla Cook and Laverne Butler were already signed onto that label, and so. Um, That was my first, my my first gig and here I am, 12 CDs later, 20 years later, 22 years later, talking to you guys. Isn't it nice? Nice. (laughs) It's just,
1: isn't it wonderful, amazing, fascinating, uh, the different places we come from, yet the common denominators that we share. When I hear all three of you talk, I hear an enthusiasm about being committed to this expression that runs through all of us. It's, it's just amazing. And things like just how you all have found a way to, you know, as the overused, phrase goes make lemonade Uh, I once heard somebody say that no is everybody's second favorite answer you know and to hear you know to hear you relate your beautiful experience Renee about you know that that ultimatum that you were given you know we we want it took that to encourage you and you and you turned it talk about lemon and lemonade Wow, you turned that into something that ended up being a springboard for all of these amazing experiences that yeah. you've had in these last 20 years, 22 years, whatever it is. Yeah. So, And I love how you found a way, at least I sensed that you found a way of, of being thankful for him doing that.
5: Yes, absolutely,
1: you know, and, and I've
5: learned that that's, that's a part of my personality is to be faced with when someone puts opposition in front of me, that's when I make my best choices.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: My mm-hmm. best choices have been made. Everything's clarified with mm-hmm. an ultimatum, mm-hmm. you know, it's all clarified, it comes crystal clear. Every, all the other filigree and stuff falls away and you're just left with, are you gonna say yes? Or are you gonna say no? Mm-hmm. Say yes.
1: Do you think jazz yes, yes, Do you think jazz represents that? The ultimatum serve sort of thing where you're presented with something and you have to make a decision on the spot?
5: Well, I think life is like jazz in that way. And I agree with you, the the, the aspect of jazz, the um improvisational aspect of jazz. Life is impro- improvised, too, because you don't know what's coming, like coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what's, what's coming. But I do think life is like jazz in that way, in that it presents you with ultimatums. And yes, indeed, you might have to think on your feet
2: really quick. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I love that yeah. idea about, you know, when you're in between a decision, it's the most difficult place to be because you're waffling this way and you're waffling that way and you're waffling this way. But as soon as you make that clear cut decision, you're
5: in, right? Yes. And things fall into place. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And when I had the opportunity to work with some of the old masters and the ones that, uh, what, what they taught me the most was how number one, how humble, They were, generally speaking, you know? And then how committed and bold. So any decision they made, it was like a knife cutting through air, it was bold. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah, just relaying back to what you guys were saying, it's like there's such a boldness in a commitment to an idea in jazz that it's just beautiful. It is like life if you do it well. (laughs) It's a committed path and it's a bold decision.
5: And I know there are people <clears throat> who are watching and listening right now, like you were saying, Sonny, we're in this, this in-between space called liminal space where you're no longer what, it's no longer what it was and it's not what it's gonna be. And yeah. this, this topsy-turvy, the ground moving beneath your feet type of feeling, and I know there are people out there who are considering, what should I do with my music? Do I move forward, what do I do? try to say yes to the thing that gives that makes you happy if you can just do that it doesn't have to be a huge giant step it can be a small step but as long as it's in the direction of the thing that makes you happy say yes to that and keep saying yes and then before you know it the steps and the path gets bigger and wider because yes saying yes is like a whole world or universe that's beautiful
2: I, I, also, I, also, I also think, with regard to people that are just coming up and finding their way in the music, and there's that they're, they're tentative about what they hear and what they want to sing, and they're tentative maybe with their expression of their ideas and their idea of saying yes to that idea, or it's like trust your ear and get in the flow and go ahead, baby, just try that idea. And by the very idea of the the very fact of committing to that idea, you're getting stronger and getting better. And
4: and it's like you have to practice that as well. You have to practice being in the moment with that and letting yourself be in the space of making the decision that you need to make right then and letting everything else fall where it falls and when you do that in life you're not going to find the same path every day when you do that you're not going to find the same route and in a song when you do that new and exciting things happen and there is i know um a lot of people like you were saying they can get fearful when it comes to expressing themselves they what syllable do i sing when i'm scatting where do i start start yeah. in the happy place start <laughs> where you know where you are you know start in the place where if you can just sing you know the the one just sing that and go from there because Hello. then you will you'll hear you'll hear and you'll feel and I think the act of of committing to something and and learning to commit to something with um with that 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 just definite force of like this is what i'm deciding um i think the act of that helps people to find the space in themselves of of, in themselves of freedom where they can that place can expand along with technique it's nice to have technique but but feeling has to be there too and some things you have to cross that bridge when you cross it and that's that <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oh,
3: that bridge when you cross it. <laughs> it's on. That's all. Preach. That's right.
1: For sure. You know, one of the I'm hearing so many things that uh, spark so many thoughts and ideas in me. And one of them is you all remind me of something I tell all my instrumental friends, all my bass students, and everything. I say, if we're honest with ourselves, we are jealous of singers because singers they get that music in them and they just open their mouths and express themselves and we instrumentalists we have to do the same thing but then get it through an instrument you know so it's so much more immediate when you're a vocalist i always remind my my friends that the music is inside of you, it's not in the instrument. You know, I always remind my bass players, sorry, but the bass just happens to be the best instrument on the planet. The music, the, the music really is inside of you. you know, the bass, the drums, the piano, whatever, that's just an amplifier for the music that's inside of you. And if the music inside of you doesn't have clarity, it'll never come out clearly through your instrument. And uh, you reminded me of that, just hearing you guys talk about um, your your experiences, your backgrounds, et cetera. Um, uh, by the way, Sonny, all of you, I, I, I remember the first time here in LA, um, I don't know what years you were in LA, Sonny.
2: I was there from, I think this is right, 77 to 93.
1: Okay. Somewhere in the 70s, maybe early 80s, I think it was 70s. I remember going to a club. Do you remember that Jimmy Smith, the organ player, had a club? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I went to that club, and Sarah Vaughn was there. And she sat in with the band. Jimmy Smith wasn't playing that evening, but there was a piano player. and And she sat in with the band. And I remember hearing her say... To the band what do you want to do and they said i don't know what do you want to do sass and she said I, you guys know such and such and they said yeah and they said to her what key and she turned around to them and said any key. <laughs> <laughs> i never will forget that was, you talk about cause you mentioned the word bold. And uh, I love them. I love there's bold right.
5: Any key. Any
1: key. I will I will fix it if I need to, but any key. Um uh, tell me about what's going on right now. You you know, I think uh Renee, you mentioned coronavirus, but you know what what's happening in your life right now with what you're dealing with? I got to
5: do my very first gig since March um, in Detroit at the Detroit Jazz Festival uh, two weekends ago and um, it was amazing and very weird because (laughs) it was virtual and there was no audience, no visible or audible audience and I didn't realize how much uh, how much, um, what, do, what do I want to say? How well we are fed by the response of the audience. I mean, I was worried about it from the get-go, but I was thinking, okay, I know they're going to be out there. I'm just, just, you know, act like they're out there, just visualize them out there. But um, it was more than that that was needed because I couldn't feel their energy. And as it was wonderful playing with live musicians, Lord have mercy. (laughs) But after the song would be over, you know, you know how you give it everything. You're giving this song everything, even if it's all of your quiet subtlety. You're giving it all. And then the song ends, and (laughs) that's what you hear. (laughs) So I I was just. oh my gosh I was outdone I, I was I felt like I was losing it between songs and like you know when you get that way you just start talking more do you yeah. ever do that <laughs> too yeah. much? Ooh. so um, I, I hope the audience forgave me you know I was doing we were really doing the best we could the the, the musician sounded great it was Xavier Davis on piano Uh, Quentin Baxter, my drummer for 20 years, Elias Bailey, my bassist for 18 years. So we had a ball, but gosh, it was tough. It was tough, woo. But I still came away so grateful for for the gig. Mm.
1: How about you, Sunny? What are you dealing with these days?
2: Well, sometimes I feel like I'm either too conservative or more conservative than a lot of people with this stuff. Um, A lot of my peers have gone out and done live gigs and I just have chosen not to. I'm not that comfortable going in places. We've done three or four, five something virtual concerts. The lucky thing for me is my sweet husband is my piano player, so we have this little pot of deliciousness right here, so we can do it, right? And the, the first one, and setting up the technology for that, oh, my God. Oh, it's just, its a, it was sort of a nightmare. But again, it's like we're talking about putting one foot, put, put one foot in front of the other, and lead with love, just put my sister sings that with her elementary school kids, but it's so true. It's like, okay, you can do this. Um, And and those have been interestingly intimate, right? And abstract at the same time. And the intimacy is sort of established just through the ethos and the people that, that are coming back with comments and kindness in their attending. Um, so, so that's that's been good. The two things that I will say I, I'm really enjoying through this. I hate to be trite, but this paradigm shift that we are going through—it just seems enormous on every front. To keep some real positivity and joy going, I started doing a little show through Zoom to Facebook Live. And I, John, do you know about Kathy Siegel Garcia's show? She does it every day for two hours. I do. I don't know how she does that. That would just be, but I thought, what if I, what if I feature world-class Michigan artists that don't get the attention they deserve and let's talk like we're talking and let's exchange like we're exchanging and so I've done four of these little shows. I'm I'm not doing it every day. I'm doing it every other week, and what I have found is that it's wow, the community's growing. the 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 love is growing even through this odd format, right? So I am really pleased with that. It's called. I think you'll like this. It's called Lighten Up with Sunny Wilkinson.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh, That's great. Like you. <laughs> I know.
2: And then the last thing, and this is sort of my talking about having an art form that spills into the other. I am a visiting potter at the Potter's Guild. And I'm, I have my own studio in my basement. And so when I can't handle the realities of life, I go down and I center the clay and I center my spirit. And I, I throw things. I make things like this. I just made this. Beautiful. Wow. Oh, yeah, nice. Do yeah. You want other or a couple of other things?
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah this, is, this is a piece that's raku fired. Whoa! And is that big. a top one there, Sunny? Yeah, it's a it's a top. Whoa. Oh wow! What? Wow! No. And now the inside is crackled, You can kind of see. I love the
5: color. Yeah,
2: I do too. It's just so juicy. Do you take orders? <laughs> sure heck for you i was planning on bringing you guys stuff anyway oh that's pretty this is a jazz piece improvisation on clay (laughs) (laughs) on clayton on clay
1: (sighs) (laughs) just saying yeah (laughs)
2: improvisation on clayton (laughs) so i think um Th- those things are keeping us sort of uplifted and positive and, and honestly trying to contribute back to the community too. So,
1: Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. So it, it, I got to find another m- metaphor because it's the, the lemon lemonade thing's getting old, but <laughs> you keep finding, everybody keeps finding ways of of avenues of allowing the creative juices the creativity within us yeah. to move forward. And isn't that, isn't that amazing, but not surprising?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, we have to.
2: It brings back the clay and Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Brianna, no, no, what, how, what's, sorry, go ahead, Renee. No, no, no
5: please. No, no, so
1: we, fair. we, we got no, all. No, please,
5: please talk. I was just thinking it, it kind of reminds me of, I have a friend, Victor Devoskin, who's a bass player in Northern Virginia, and he's Russian. He told me what it was like uh, when he was a young, a young jazz musician in Russia, and they were forbidden to play jazz, and it was against the law. And um, during the COVID-19, you'd see comments on Facebook, uh, some complaining and some bemoaning and, you know, going through it. Going, going through the difficulties and the challenges of not being able to get together. Yeah. And it reminded me of what Victor and his fellow musicians, not just jazz musicians, but other musicians, were not allowed to gather together. What did they do? What inner resources did they um, pull from and hold themselves together with? And how did they move forward? At least we can play in our homes, yeah. but they couldn't even do that for fear someone else would turn them in. So many times it was at great risk to their lives mm-hmm. and the lives of their families that they went ahead and played in. So just like you said, John, it'll never, it will never, ever, you just might as well ask the sun not to shine. We gonna play. Yeah. <laughs> we gonna
1: play. <laughs> That's right. play. Play. Yep. Try to stop me.
5: Try to stop <laughs> me. That's right. Tell me no.
1: <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Brianna, what are you dealing with these days?
4: You ready? No.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, no, um, I I like so many of us, I lost all of my uh, much of my, all of my, like I had this one gig that was hanging on for this year that like maybe three weeks ago, they were like <sighs> And um, you know, the the magnitude of the loss of um, being able to share, because when we perform, like what Renee was saying and what we've all been talking about, this togetherness um, that we experience, um, it's like a dance with the band and the audience. There's this exchange that happens. And so it's not. It's, it's lovely to sing around my house and it's lovely to sing uh, on a recording and, and, and come together. I've done a couple of those things since in our quiet time with this COVID issue. Um, but it's nothing like sharing a moment with a room full of people um, that are with you on stage, and just in the room like everyone there is no such thing in those moments as the stage and the room many times or the sta- on stage and off stage it's like everybody is just in this zone together kind of like like i i you know going to church when you you pray together and everybody is just on one accord mentally and spiritually um i feel like music ushers in those spaces in people and um I miss that so much Um, and it was very difficult for me to, um, not only do I love performing with my band and you know, they're like my favorite people and I love to perform with them. And we had been on a roll, you know, and things were starting to look up and then um, I just, I think dealing, you know, this quiet time, where we have to be still, like being still. It, when you're in a song and the tempo is really slow and you can go to the store and get a Coke and a sandwich between beats because the tempo is like one, two, you know? <laughs> when the tempo is so slow like that, you have like in your mind, you're, you, as an artist, you can be, you know, the goal is to be in the moment and to breathe and be in the moment and to let the the slowness um, guide you to the next thing that you're going to find in that moment. But sometimes we get like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do next? I find that that energy is is an energy that can be present now because of the slowness of everything. But I also find that because of the stillness and the slowness, it gives Um, many of us an opportunity to look at the things in ourselves and in our lives in a way where we can smell the roses when we look at them and we can take a chance and then take an opportunity to address them if we would like to change something to question it to uh to uh, explore something different. And all of these options are new and scary in some regard, but they're also, it depends on how you look at it. They can be exciting, you know, Um, and it can be also refreshing and it can be encouraging and it can be an opportunity to um, embrace the place that you're in and so that you can be, go forward and be somewhere else and um there's been a lot of a lot of difficulty with um i've missed the i've missed audiences and i've missed being in the audience and experiencing the experience of music is something that i love live records for that reason like sarah vaughn live at mr kelly's she drops the mic (laughs) that's like what i remember listening to that moment and rewinding it over and over again because you could hear people chuckle and i felt like i was in the room and um just i i just love you know those live records like that because it's so tangible to be in the room and the experience of music that we share together it leaves an indelible mark on you when people whether you're on stage or off stage you you're in a concert um performing or watching a performer it can become like a a moment that just stays with you that means something that you attach to something that carries you somewhere now that song is your song for this reason and and whatever and I, I know that because so many of us have that in our hearts and we have that in our minds and we carry it with us and we know what it is, it's still there waiting for us. And, and, and that we just have to, I'm, I feel like, I, I'm sorry for my long answer, but I feel like I'm learning to be still and like know that in the stillness, like, like in music, silence is a phrase it's in a it can be a phrase it's something that connects phrases it connects notes it's Mm -hmm. something that could make uh it can punctuate it's it's that's what we're in we're in like a a space where um there's every opportunity probably to do too much or to do too little and i'm just trying to be still enough to catch what i'm supposed to be doing
1: (laughs) that's beautiful wow beautiful
2: beautiful
1: out of curiosity you all are fabulous singers you're all fabulous pedagogues you all you help people do and embrace what it is that you also love and also do what what are some of the things that you see that seem to hang people up that hang up what what hangs up the singers that you encounter and, and, uh, you know, what, what do you tell them? Please.
4: Oh, Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter, Mr.
5: Cotter. <laughs> pick me, pick me. I had a discussion with a student today about this very thing, trying to be perfect oh. and thinking that it's possible. First of all, well, wow. actually be perfect. And what to do with those moments when you are telling yourself that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you can reach those those heights where it feels like everything is just like, oof, yes, you know, you've got it all, The timing is right, the voice sounding good, you know, everything is hip, and then something happens, and blah, blah, blah. there's this, blah, blah, blah. and what do you do with that? Um, the Japanese have a their culture, a part of their culture is, is called wabi-sabi, where you find the beauty in the imperfection. Mm-hmm. And for singers, there is this uh, um, standard of perfection that's expected, um, that I think is unreasonable myself. I just think it's mm-hmm. unreasonable. Um, if you listen to live recordings of Sarah and Ella, you will hear voices crack, right? Forgetting the lyrics, maybe yep. you know, all kinds of things going on. But nobody ever stops to think, oh, look at that. Did you hear what you just did? And so I think trying to be perfect prevents singers, especially, from experimenting and breaking out of the constraints of what a jazz vocalist is supposed to sound like. To me that is one of the biggest things is feeling that we have to be perfect and not knowing what to do with our beautifully crafted, accidentally crafted imperfections. Uh There is a way to transform, I think, these these imperfections into a beautiful thing but we just have to accept that it's going to happen and work with that.
2: I love that. I love that. Will you pick me next? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, just to sort of dovetail what Renee was saying with students, I find a lot, especially, and this is not to dis any side of pedagogy or how we craft our instrument but you know the singer isn't just learning to play an instrument they're also building their voice at the same time so they're learning Mm -hmm. to play their instrument and they're building their instrument at the same time and that's a tall order right and it takes a long time for a a young woman for example to grow into the maturity of their physical instrument Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: So during that time, if you're pushed to stand perfectly erect and stand and sing, you know, blah, blah, and it's all, there's so much tension that can come into the body and into what you're doing by wanting to do it perfectly and trying to do it correctly, right? So with a lot of my students, we just get them grounded in their body and feeling their feet and feeling their the opening, instead of breathing correctly, it's like, well, I'm learning that I have to breathe correctly from the diaphragm. People don't even know what that means. And so what I try and get them is to open and free and open and get freer and get longer and get more centered and find it from there rather than from trying to do this correctly. And then when all of those elements start aligning, then there's freedom, and I know this is from a pedagogy standpoint, but I also think it's true from an artistic standpoint, Then all the stars start aligning, and, and they can just sang. Sang, yes. <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um... One of the things that I've seen with uh, vocalists of, of many ages, but I, I, one particular vocal I worked with this young woman, um, I was teaching at the Savannah Music Fest. It was like a, um, a program where they, they have like, you know, high school bands come and this young girl, she brought in a song. And it was actually the first time I remember being conscious of this um, about students. And I've seen this in students of every age, but it's something that I see in a common way, where you get a song that you like, you hear a rendition that you like, and you embark on sounding exactly like that rendition, not the, because you love it. I mean, we've you talked about it, Sunny. I, I did the same thing that I'm sure that, Renee, you talked about it too, the tape, the tape cassettes, where we we learn it verbatim. At a point, though, um, it's time to put your own shoes on and and walk in those, and you're going to trip. My dad used to always say, you're going to crawl, you got to crawl before you walk. And um, I just feel like one of the things that I've seen is I try to get students to hear their own voice and i don't even mean tonally i mean what are you saying with this song so sometimes it takes removing the the melody altogether and having them count the tune off and then speak the words over the song as it's in time but
5: Love
3: it.
4: but before you even do that let's pick what you're talking about like who are you talking to you know we could be um like this is a good example i remember being in college and uh i had sung the nearness of you about, like a bunch of times i'd sung it at, at different sessions and um and i'd sung it you know with different people but like i remember taking a closer look at the lyrics and we, we know the tune, it's it's not the pale moon that excites me, that thrills or delights me, oh no, it's the nearness of you. And and then another verse, and then when I'm in your arms and I I feel you so close to me, my wildest dreams come true. And the last verse, I need no soft light to enchant me. And then this one word, if, and if, Changes the tone of the song because someone could be talking about the nearness of you longing Not having what they want and someone could be talking about having it and so I I try to get the students to step out of Sarah or Ella's rendition um, don't worry about sounding like them. None of us ever will. We're going to sound like ourselves. If we accomplish what, what we're supposed to accomplish, we will sound like the language we learned from them through ourselves. And so I, I try to get them to pick a subject. I had this one girl, she had this guy, she liked, he was her friend. And I said, okay, you're going to sing. You're not Eddie James,
3: um. <laughs> She, she was not.
4: She was, she was. Yeah, she was far from it, and like not going to have that. Uh, the grit in Eddie James' voice, but she had a beautiful voice, and she had every capacity to express the sentiment of the song if she would just be conscious and aware of what she was trying to say in that place. And so, that's something that I've. I find myself working with people a lot, uh, young people what a lot. But uh, it it was at it was at last. At
3: last. And, <laughs> yes.
4: And, okay. and oh no, um, no, it was. I just want to make love to you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She, she was young, but I was like, we're gonna have that conversation a different day. <laughs> 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 so, but like, but I said, I said, okay, who are you talking to? Like, you know, that's a good song to we. I just want to make love to you. To somebody making love could be the act of being intimate and to someone else, it could just be sharing. You could be talking about a puppy that you want to take on a walk. I just want to take you on a walk. And that could be the thought in your brain when you're saying, I just want to take, make love to you. But if you say it and say it from a place of truth in yourself, then then it, then it you sound like you. And so the the technique of it, as you know, you were talking about learning, building a voice, um, you can build a voice, um, but at the same time that we build our voices, we're building the tonality and the muscles of our voice. We have to build the, the understanding of pr- practicing being conscious about what we're saying and and because in that place nobody says what you say like you say it period just like you have fingerprints that are different your vocal cords are shaped different the way you think about something is different you're a unique spirit you don't have to
5: try to be unique you are you just let yourself do that let me ask y'all a question do you ever get um students who like you can tell from the way they talk that they just want to be famous (laughs) want <laughs> they just want to be well known, have you ever had students like that?
2: I used to have a lot <laughs> I've of known young, people like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to have the young kids when American Idol first got started that yeah. that's all they wanted to do was win america American Idol
5: right. What do you say to them?
2: Oh. That is so tricky. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brianna. I'll, I'll ch- chime in.
4: Um, I mean, you, ha- I, whenever somebody is in a different place than I am mentally about like an understanding like that, I don't, I, I don't sing, I don't sing jazz or I don't sing because I'm trying to be famous, but I've seen that I've seen, that in people that I know and I've seen it in um, like when I was in college you know in some of my peers and stuff and I've seen it in I've I've seen it before we've all seen it before and um, I think when you're teaching someone that's like that um, you probably have to find the place that you do connect to them in and start there so that you can meet them where they're at and show them something else and uh show them I, something
5: else other than what sh- they're trying to achieve well fame,
4: you mean i don't think it's wrong to want to be you know in some we i don't think it's wrong I, I what you're saying like wanting just to be famous like and yeah. and and being on stage with somebody, being on stage with musicians, I've known musicians like this, where it's like, it's like you're on stage with them and this I'm sure has happened to you, where you're playing with somebody and, and, and the music is great and then somebody behind you that's backing you up and you guys are all in the zone and then someone walks in the room and their whole vibe changes they become somebody else they they start doing other things because it because
5: you know they're, right? they're trying to impress who came in the room yes and i
4: think that's that's in the same zone and to in order to uh there's there's a w- with a student with a student like that i would think that you would have to find the commonality that you share, the love that you share with them, whatever that is. It might be hard to find, it might be small, it might be a little corner of the paper that you're trying to show them and you have to stand on it and inch your way out and show them the rest of the picture because there is so much less that can happen and that they can accomplish. And so that's a small mind to be in that to for for fame to be the the ultimate reason because i think music is especially the music that we're dealing with is not about fame it's about sharing and it's about everyone being together connecting pulling one another the history of the music has to do with you know like there's a connection that's needed and if 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 it's if you got to be the biggest star on the tree then then there's already a connection lost on the bandstand that,
5: that, that, you know, so, yeah. yeah.
1: Sonny, what do you think?
2: Well, you know, I don't have a lot to say about that. Other than the fact we all want to be famous, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's an, el- what I'm trying to say is, I think there's an element of that in all of us, right? And it's, it's, yes. it's, and it's all sort of multi-layered in a way. And so I think maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, inherent in the question is the idea of depth of perception of something. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that, this, that that's perceived as a very shallow reason to want to do music. And that like, like Brianna said, if, if they're willing or capable of going on those Other layers, what a lovely journey! But some people aren't interested in it. Some people just want that, right? And some people don't have, to me, the the focus or desire to go to a deeper level. It's it's sort of weird to do a music like this or any kind of music that you do well. You have to be fully present. Mm -hmm. And some people, if fame is the only thing, I'm not sure that they're in it for that, because you can't hear past your your own little, yes. So oh, you can't hear out here what the bass player's doing, the drummer's playing, yeah. and the, you know, you don't have that depth perception going on. Yeah. So if, and if you can show them that, and also sometimes, well, this is maybe, <laughs> I think I'm not going to say that. Um, Go ahead. Well, well, if that's the only thing, Is there enough talent or depth in the musicality to be able to bring something else? Maybe, maybe not. Some students I've had disappear after we do that audition. I don't, honestly, I don't take them very often anymore because I don't have the patience (laughs) for for just that. If they want something more and they want to do the work and we get to spread out and, and we can find... I mean, honestly, okay, I'm, I'm just blathering around, but I think everybody comes to music wanting to find some depth and find out who they are through it.
3: Eventually. So, yeah. Eventually.
2: Yeah, I, I... And if they don't, then they're going to move on. But I honestly think that there's, some, there's something in there that's more than that.
1: But I, when I listened to all three of your stories in the beginning, it, there wasn't that, that kind of depth that you're talking about. It was just fun making sounds, harmonizing, <laughs> da 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 da. Yeah. Right? That's where it stems yeah. from. And yeah. I think, and also just to chime in, uh, my little two cents here. I think that the concept of fame is subjective. I think that that we never wake up on a Thursday morning and go, ah, ha, Finally happened! Finally famous!" <laughs> you know? You, 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 there's no There's no way of knowing when you are famous or you're not. And in fact, if you start thinking like that, you're probably going to never achieve the fame that you um, imagine you you should have or you you want or whatever, because somebody is always going to be doing something. It's always a a question of us comparing ourselves to others, right? It's that whole comparing your insides to somebody else's outsides thing. And... And every time we do that, we're never satisfied. We're never fit. We never, we don't even know, don't even notice that we were on a level 10 before and now we're on level 25 because we're so busy looking at that level 30 and 35, right? And it just keeps going like that and then you die. That's kind of the way the whole thing goes. (laughs) So I
3: think-
4: Teddy Roosevelt said comparison is the thief of joy.
2: Say that again.
4: Com- Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy.
2: Oh, I love that. Yeah.
1: Me That's too. nice. And there it is. So, and, you know, in answer your question, Renee, um, when someone like that comes to me for whatever lessons or something, then I try to help them define what they mean by fame. What do you mean by fame? Do you mean recognition via a Grammy or a nomination or a winning a fest? What, you know, what, what a competition, what is your definition? And then allowing them to also kind of like we were just been talking about to, to look at that other part of their joy, the fun of making music and the the fun of making those sounds that they do that just to have, opening their, broadening their viewpoints so that they understand that fame, however they define it, is a very narrow part of it. But I'm curious, okay. what do you do, Renee?
5: I love that. I tell them, don't, don't come around talking to me about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna be famous, go outside and do, you know, commit a crime, then you can be famous that way. I don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> my first question to them is, why do you want to be famous? Why? Mm. What, what will you have once you're famous? And do Ooh, you think because you want to be famous that there's a shortcut? And now there's a shortcut to it because it ain't. Mm. And then here's my quote. It's not mine, but a quote that I love. Do not seek to conquer the world because the world, once conquered, seeks reciprocity. It is ready to conquer you. So don't be so quick to, to be, you know, conquer the world. You're going to be up on top. Watch out.
1: Nice.
5: I mean, those sayings, the the higher you fall, what is it? The bigger they get, the harder they fall. How's it no. the,
1: the bigger you are, the harder you fall.
2: Those they sayings
5: are around for a reason.
2: Be nice yeah. to the people on the way up because those are the people you're going to be meeting on the way down. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
1: So, so one, of the, one of the people that have, are, have joined us today wanted to know, what's the biggest challenge that you've experienced in your music career and how did you solve that before we run out of time? Because I, I just so enjoyed listening to you all talk that I, I didn't want to interrupt it. But that's a, a, a question that was posed. Please, anybody. Uh,
5: the biggest challenge I had was I was working on some original music. And uh, we had a gig at a club for a week and we were working on that music at the club. And um, the club owner made it clear that he did not, not want to hear that music. <laughs> and we were there for a week. He came to me that first night and told me that after the first set. And so my, the biggest challenge was trying to decide do I move forward with my original music or do I just keep doing standards? Or like Mm. he said, stand still and sing the standards the way they're supposed to be sung. That was the edict he gave me. Again, it was um, an ultimatum, sort of. And when he put it that way, it clarified things for me. So it was a, a very dark 24 hours in my mind and heart trying to figure out is it, is it an okay world for a female vocalist to write her own songs and sing them? Is that okay? Or is it really as bad as he makes it? And um, by the time we got to the to the gig the following night, I had made my decision to do my original tunes. There was a reviewer in the audience that I didn't know was there. He loved our original stuff and he wrote a great review in the paper and more people came to the club so, you know, for the rest of the week. So I learned, that was when I learned, I need opposition so I can move forward. I, I guess I thrive. Wow.
1: That's beautiful. How about you too, uh, Sunny, Brianna, what challenges <clears throat> were the, would, would you consider the biggest challenge if there is such a thing?
2: Well, I will say There were many, but or are many, but I think this one stands out for me, and that is, and maybe it will speak to some people out there, that is the aging voice
3: Mm.
2: and getting older in the music and perhaps feeling like you have lost your relevancy but even that going through menopause and I'll just talk about it a little bit going through menopause was tough and uh a lot of older women go on hormones and I did at the time and I didn't know how how much they can affect your voice and during that time I would get on stage and I would have to warm up all day and if I let it go for a minute I would get on stage and it would tighten it up and it would be it would Talk about no joy. It was just like slogging through mud and it would make me cry. And I was, I was really having a hard time. So much, in fact, that I almost said, you know what? I love this. I've had a nice career. I've taught some wonderful people. I, I'm gonna stop singing because it was too painful. It was not fun at all. Well. And then I um, I had sort of a an epiphany, it, it wasn't um, what's the word that you call it a, an ultimatum, but it it was a decision, and and I just went I went back into the trenches and I worked on my voice and I practiced and I practiced my technique and I was vocalizing like crazy, and I think I had gotten rid of the hormones on my system. And I found out that this is not uncommon for women in menopause to go through really tough times vocally mm-hmm. because everything's changing. It's like puberty in reverse. I you know. are messed up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and then I started to reemerge, right? And so gratefully so, because. Um, it's not the same voices when I was young. It's not perhaps as flexible or it doesn't have whatever. But what I do have now is the realization that every, this can all be fun. It's all can be, go back to being play because how lucky am I to be doing this right now in this present moment in my life and have a modicum of flexibility and freedom and that I still can sing what I hear and what I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And play in the sphere. And um that is well that was a big big one to overcome. And luckily I can share it with other older women that are going through the same kind of things. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: beautiful. Yeah. Wow.
4: Thank I you. um yes, thank you for sharing that. And I feel like that's those things should be spoken about more. I I have not been through menopause yet, but um you, you you can, <laughs> you know, uh, because young, you know, you can be young and have, I went through something when I was 21 that was, it was so traumatic that I packed all of my stuff in the back of my car and left Peoria, Illinois, and moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And I ended up going back to, I, I got into school in New York two years after that it was like 2000. Seven and um, I had to go back to Peoria to go to trial and the people that it was involved that were involved in this situation they're all in jail for like 60 years and I went through a lot of hormonal and physical and mental things that caused my voice to be like Today we're one way and tomorrow we're another. <laughs> and and um actually after after I had to go to, to trial like five times and after it was all over with, it was two thousand nine, I lost my voice for an entire year just like that. And um it was like my body just went, sorry.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And you keep saying, Renee, you keep saying that, you know, you, you're learning that in the hard times is when you're growing, like you need adversity. Um, I I feel like God keeps going, be still. <laughs> For me, it's a be still thing. So um, I had to be very still. Um, I I went to the voice doctor and there were these like, it wasn't polyps. It wasn't nodules. I had just done a gig. My voice was soaring. I was singing very freely and it was amazing, but I was coming down with a sinus infection. And, um, when I got, by the time I got to the doctor, they'd given me a steroid and an antibiotic and it had caused yeast to grow on my vocal cords because I was coughing. And when you cough and when you talk, your vocal cords do this and when you sing they do this so i had to learn um i was you know, i think i was uh i must have been 26 at the time and uh but there was all of these things happening i was in therapy because i had gone through that traumatic thing that had caused my body to kind of ah you know and my mind was racing with um I was having bad anxiety and because of the anxiety, I was dealing with depression and those things, we don't talk about this enough, but those things will cause hormonal shifts. Um, I ended up with acid reflux and that caused its own litany of issues with my voice. So I have had to learn, um, not, you know, like like I was saying, it's not menopause for me, but I've gone through these shifts where I've had to confront where I was at, what I could do, what was possible with my voice at that moment. While while singing, sometimes it was, you know, like what high profile stuff, it, it didn't matter to me, like being on stage, what you said, when you cannot do the things that you feel like you could do, or you cannot be as free here and here with what you're doing, it can take a toll on you. And so I had to get back in the shed too i um I went and had to deal with my diet and I had to deal with my mental diet. I had to deal with um uh, not not just leaving things to like the things that I had said okay, that's done with and it's over with. I'm in today, that was yesterday. I'm, those things come with you. And 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 yes, we can take difficulties and we can take hard moments in life and put them into our music and sing them in our songs and they can come out, but they can also find these cracks and these corners in our body and, and kind of uh, weigh us down. And I found that uh, my voice that had always been a place of expression for me, um, when I went through that situation, I, I'm skipping all over the place, but when I was 21 and I went through that major trauma, I felt I lost vocabulary. There were, I was, when I was a kid, my dad used to make me read the dictionary. And, you know, if I asked him, I remember mistakenly asking him what Troubadour meant. And he was like, go find it. And I was like, please, can you just tell me? And so, but like, uh, I I used to write in You know, I was at a place where I felt like I used to write and and um, think and function in those places. Well, Um, going to college was a saving space for me because I did not know theory. I did not grow up knowing what I was singing or what it meant or anything like that. So when I got to college, I was able to learn how to communicate the ideas that were in my head on paper so that I wasn't looked at like some silly little vocalist. who didn't know what she was talking about on the bandstand. And, uh, but at the same time, this this was happening to me physically. And I just, it taught me in short that um, the things that we go through, yes, we you know, in jazz music and blues music, we, we talk about how we can put it in the music and it makes it sound even better. But um, those things get in our bodies and they can get in our minds and, um, they can have a, a impact on your health that can change your um, your atmosphere. And um, But just as that, you know, what Duke Ellington said, I love this. It's like in Come Sunday. He says, I don't mind the gray skies because they're just clouds passing by. And when you know that uh, you're in a moment, and you're you're in a moment, you know, whether it's on stage in the middle of a song, and you're having to think about what do I do next, or the same moment in life, um, a moment will it, it would it's just a moment, and there is no perfection, like you were saying, Renee. There is no such thing as perfect. Um, if there is a such thing as perfect, it's 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 allowing yourself to to flow from moment to moment without judging it, and. Um, mm. I just I think in those spaces then we then then you can get to something new and something different and the challenge for me was to learn that I couldn't tuck stuff away in my sock drawer I couldn't pretend like it wasn't there I couldn't um you know I could show up bubbly and and whatever and I really felt that way but it was just kind of behind me like Whoa, and and it will show up <laughs> yeah. it will it will show up. So, you know, that's, yeah, the learning how to navigate through life and uh, let yourself be free.
1: Mm, wow. And that's what a beautiful way to bring this to, sadly, to a close, but I won't call it a close. I think it's it's really going to be, this is our introduction to getting together next year. I think that's what this is. And and, and how beautiful that we ended on a Duke Ellington um uh, thought as well. So thank you for that. You guys are amazing. I just you are all black belt. I love you and I appreciate you. And thank you for sharing your souls with us today with your music with us ongoing. We so appreciate you. And um yeah so I well thank you. I, I feel your love and thank
2: you for having you. thank you. Fantastic.
1: Pleasure Total pleasure. This was so,
4: amazing. Why wait till next year? Let's do it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well we'll keep we'll keep working on it until then. Just we'll celebrate when we get together next year. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for this evening. Thank you all for participating and being in the audience with us. And we'll see you soon, I hope. Stay safe. Don't forget to vote.
0: Thank you for listening to this Centrum Podcast. The creator of Jazz Voicings is program manager Greg Miller, and our host is artistic director John Clayton. Centrum's executive director is Robert Berman. Centrum podcasts are produced by Taven Dotson, Owen Rowe, and Holly Miller. Our executive producer is Joe Gillard. With gratitude and respect, we acknowledge that we broadcast from the traditional lands of the Coast Salish peoples. From the place known by the Sklalem people as Katai, and today called Port Townsend, Washington. Centrum programs are based at Fort Warden State Park in Port Townsend. Centrum was founded in 1973 to foster creative arts experiences that change lives, and is dedicated to building a world of greater inclusion through the arts. Other Centrum podcasts include Artists in Residence, music from the Centrum Archives, and readings from the Port Townsend Writers Conference. To subscribe to any of our podcasts, or to support or participate in Centrum programs, visit our website at centrum.org. Thank you for listening. This podcast is copyright 2020, Centrum Foundation.